when you're a kid, you don't go out and do things because you know, well, big mama finds out I'll be in trouble or right. dad finds out I'm going to be in trouble. And it gets to a point where you're maybe for most people, I won't say midlife crisis, but I'll say 25 to 30, would you go, wait, the people that were my boss, my parents in this case, are yeah. now shifting into an advisor role. So I can right. still make mistakes. <laughs> Folks, welcome to another episode of Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. And today I am speaking with Flobo Boyce. We are going to talk about so many fun things, but let me tell you a little bit about our guests. Well, Flobo, let me first of all say it's great to see you. Welcome to Hey, I'm Listening. Well, I'm honored to be on the show. And I love the name of it. Hey, I'm listening. It's great. That's like, it's kind of like just said a nod and stuff. But no, it's, it's an honor to be on here. I'm honored to be with you, Dr. Joan. Holiday season. So we're, you know, in a relaxed environment, you know, going out there and, and enjoying all that love and, and, uh, and tinsel, I guess, this time of year. Yes. Bobo <laughs> Boys is a comedian, broadcaster, author, and podcaster that's currently based in Los Angeles. Most recently, Heard on the Spotify original podcast. It's MacMania. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. Uh, he's also amassed his uh, podcast network under New Amsterdam Entertainment. Flobo's stand up comedy and music are available to stream wherever you can get your music. So, today's topic we're going to talk about many things, but weight loss, overcoming near death experience. Uh, being a person of color in the entertainment industry, we're going all over the place today. Yeah. So you mentioned that after an elective surgery complication, you almost died. And mm -hmm. you feel everything you've done since then was a new lease on life. So tell us about your near-death experience and how this has influenced your view on life and just even what you do now. I say this a lot to the fact that my friends roll their eyes every time I say it, but Ian Fleming, who wrote the James Bond novels and in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, uh, said once you only live twice, uh, once when you're born and once when you stare death in the face. And yeah. so to go back, I was very heavy. Uh, at my heaviest, around 21, 22 years old, I was about 375 pounds, 26.9 stone. Uh, that's wow. a, yeah, yeah, I was I was a biggin, as they say. Yeah. Uh, uh, size six extra large T-shirt, uh, fifty-six yes. inch pants. So, uh, and, and, so and and just so our audience understands the transition or the transformation, uh, how much do you weigh now? Oh, two fifteen on a good day, yes. <laughs> two nineteen on a normal day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try. I love burgers too much, you know. It's like I said in the opening <laughs> segment. Uh, but, but yeah, it's about one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy-five pounds difference. Uh, so yeah. I, that's where I was in my twenties, and and so I, I lost a weight naturally. Yes. Um, and and it's a true story. No one believes me when I say this, but I lost a weight on the subway diet. I, I ate subs. Uh, six days yeah. a week. And I had what they call excess skin, especially, I still have some, but I still had excess skin in my belly. So when yeah. I would run, it was, it was essentially skin has a certain amount of elasticity. I know I'm, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure to choir. For those who don't know, skin has a bit of elasticity. So I was basically pregnant for 16 years. So that had right. no elasticity left in yeah. my in my abdomen. So I had that skin removed and what's called a, um, a flirty lambdoplasty. Yes. Which is a, a tummy tuck complex. So it is. I have two suture lines, one from hip to hip, and the yeah. other from my uh, sternum to my pelvic line. So it's like an like upside down T. Yes. They, they 
they filleted you, they cut off the skin, they, they put you back together. Yes. Uh, I have surgically created abs uh, in that way. <laughs> right. So about six days after that surgery, my suture line, because I didn't have traditional stitches, I had like the glue where they put yep. the skin inside, yep. put the glue on the inside, had reopened. And I had a four inch long, uh, two inch wide gash uh, wow. on my suture line that opened up and I started bleeding out all wow. of my legs and all over my couch while I was recovering. And so it was hard to stop the bleeding because mind you, I had ab surgery. So I couldn't lay on my back because my I was bleeding out on my right side. Yes. I couldn't lay on my stomach because I had ab surgery and I couldn't lay on my side because one was bleeding and of course it was hurting. So right. the night I was, I thought I was going to die. And I tell people this because uh, it's kind of creepy, but you, you, you panic and panic until you stop. Right. And and you kind of go, well, you know, I had a good run, I had a good run and it's fine, you know. Yes. And and I had a lot of regrets, I have small regrets. You know, I wish I had more money. I wish I asked that girl out. Uh I wish I, you know, high five Oprah would have the chance. Yes. But the, the the two big regrets I had was one, I never learned how to ride a motorcycle. Yeah. And and I never tried stand-up comedy. And for oh. some reason on that on that night, I said if I were to survive, that I have to do it. And so I compressed this giant wound because I couldn't be moved to go yeah. through the emergency room because the, the thing was too large. And my doctor was like, I can't help you because it the, wow. the, the suture site is um, non-sterile. So you, you would have to go to the emergency room anyway. Yeah. I woke up uh, in the next morning, a Sunday morning, because I remember the last thing I remember was Saturday Night Live playing in the background. Yeah. Everything congealing, like the, the blood had basically like sealed yeah. up. Right. This giant yes. coagulant, that's the word yes. I can feel dubbed. Uh and I said, Wow, that is that's it. That's gonna be that I, I told myself, I promised myself I have to try to ride this motorcycle and try this comedy thing. And for those of you who don't know, I realized saline is a good agent in helping the skin walk itself back over time. <laughs> right. the hard way. Uh so that's what made it was. So it was 2013, 2000. Yeah. The last week of 2013, I had the surgery. Uh, then 2014 is when I started comedy, and everything kind of felt like a second lifetime for me right, there. So from right. 29 on to today, I felt like I've been on that second life. Right. So you've been on the seven-year cycle. I always look at the seven-year cycles, right? Yeah. And so the cycle has come to an end now. And now are you moving into other things, into other areas where you're hoping to have your light shine? Uh, you know what? That is a very poignant question. Thank you. Uh, and a very complex one. Cause on, on some level, the everything was just so comedy driven, which is what I am totally about. But a lot of things happened, right? That was uh, the day job balancing with the clubs at night and somehow going back to work the next morning. Then it was losing that day job and starting my own business and then being an entrepreneur, then the pandemic, and then me leaning into podcasting, esports commentary, all that kind of thing to bring levity to those things. So comedy never stopped, but it didn't feel like it was a different way, a different expression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not the most religious person, but kind of like the the father, son, Holy Spirit, kind of different expressions of the same yeah. thing and so it was interesting to to to, to experience that and i always feel like i'll go back to stand up but in this little detour kind of thing I'm, i want to make sure that i have myself enough tools to pivot if someone's like hey look we don't need you to be on the stage in this club in idaho we do need you to host a show for this television show or whatever yes. could yes. you do it yes that's beautiful so you mentioned i'm not 
a spiritual person, but I think one of the things that you also revealed just now is that spirituality is not necessarily religiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, religiosity is about the traditions and, you know, most people can create a religion for themselves. I say mm-hmm. even, you know, vegetarians or vegans, as they call themselves, create sometimes they become so rigorous in what they eat that it becomes their next religion. So in what ways did you awaken to who you are? Yeah. Um, well, I always felt that Brooklyn was my third parent. Uh, that's the city that raised me. And I think there's a, there's a bit of, of a, a permanent lens that gets on the way you see things from your parents and from your network of friends. But we always say, how does this benefit me? How can I benefit others? Uh, is this honestly being true to self, being direct, not being rude, being yes. direct is yes. a value as well. Cause I even, even in different things that, not like street level stuff, even with interpersonal relationships, platonic and otherwise, I think a lot of times people think I'm a robot or or like not even human because I say how I feel. Right. Almost almost to my own detriment sometimes. I go, I don't like this. <laughs> well, I love this. Right. Uh, because that's that's the way I was raised. Because it's like there's no there's no time to for people to investigate how you feel. Right. right. If if I'm going out with the boys, you say fine. I'm going to say you said fine. I got in trouble doing that. But but it goes both ways because I I was from an environment where you got to say what you mean and say it with your chest. And I think that 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 permeates to whatever I do. Um. But um. But on top of that, the the changing of of a lifestyle and 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 understanding self is that you get to a certain age, you realize you're not really living for anyone else. And what I mean by that is when you're a kid, you don't go out and do things because you know, well, big mama finds out I'm going to be in trouble or right. dad finds out I'm going to be in trouble. And it gets to a point where you're maybe for most people, I won't say midlife crisis, but I'll say 25 to 30, would you go, wait, the people that were my boss, my parents in this case are yeah. now shifting into an advisor role. So I can right. still make mistakes. <laughs> you go, let me do it. <laughs> you know, and no one's going to slap you for it. Right. Yeah. I was like, wait, hold on, Ma. You couldn't tell me to do things fast enough 10 years ago. Now it's whatever you want, <laughs> you know? And, and, but then after that, you realize, okay, what do I want? What clothes right. do I want to try? What, what's on my bucket list? Uh, how can I contribute to the next generation? If I were to have kids or have my own generation of, of, of like the next after me. 